Welcome everyone to another episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. This is Short Latina, and today I have two guests, two dear friends of mine. Uh, I have a Scruffy, uh, an avid comic book and action figure collector, and his girlfriend, Chelly, who sees his passion firsthand. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Hello. <laughs> this episode, we're discussing representation in the comic book world, in the comics, and how it has transferred into shows, movies, and other sources of media. And we know that, you know, their origin started in comics for a lot of them. And so let's get right into it, you guys. So uh, Scruffy, what got you started into comics or toy collecting? A lot of this stuff started with TVs. I was raised as a television kid. Um, you turn the TV on and that's, that's basically what you do. That was my uh, babysitter. It started off with just watching uh, old school, like Marvel movies. There were some live action ones. There's like a really corny one with, with David Hasselhoff as uh, Nick Fury. Uh, there's one with like uh, Captain America. There's also like live action like TV shows like The Flash. Not the one that just recently came out, but uh, a little later version where he had like a muscular like rubber suit. A lot of that translated to, to me getting like action figures of the same characters that I used to see on the screen. And Chelly, I want to hear from you. What has been your exposure to, to comics or in general superheroes? Honestly, I just knew about Batman and Spider-Man. I didn't know about any other characters or superheroes until I met Scruffy. When I met him, he just opened up the door and I saw a whole bunch of <laughs> comic posters on the wall. And right away, he told me and shared so much about it. What is the one thing that you've learned through dating uh, Scruffy about comics and action figures? I just learned that it's a lot deeper than just the characters. He shared with me numerous times before that he sees himself as Spider-Man and he explained as to why having similarities with him and why he's his favorite superhero. Before I would just see it as, you know, kid things and nothing past that but living with him seeing how much he loves the superheroes that he listens to buys toys of he opened up that door for me what do you think scruffy uh hearing Shelly talk about comics in a different light now in that way i'm actually happy to actually be able to like you know broaden her horizon and just show her stuff outside of the norm i guess it sometimes it might seem like goofy or dorky on like the onset like maybe like childish or whatever but when you get to the point where you actually delve into the characters and figure out like what makes them tick and why you know they have that story behind them then uh you you see like humanistic like characters from the superheroes and that was that was the biggest thing like what she was saying seeing myself as spider-man just the whole concept of like you know he's a person first before he's a superhero and a lot of times he's not like the richest person, but he still like tries his best to, you know, do the greater good and help out like the world and stuff. So like that, that was the biggest thing, just him being humbled in a quick time to basically like, you know, realize that his powers are like a great responsibility for him. We got a chance to talk to Edgar, a.k.a. Mexicomics, on Instagram. He is a 26-year-old fellow nerd, La Villita native, who has been collecting Mexican comics for many years. This is what he had to share with us in regards to the topic. I grew up in La Villita. 
the last four years I've, I've been trying to find myself collecting just Mexican comic books by Mexican artists or writers or with Mexican characters and stories. There's the major Green Lantern base cops. There's Kyle Rayner, who's uh, Mexican-Irish. And there's Jessica Cruz, who's Mexican-American. And there's also several Spider-verse characters like uh, Miguel O'Hara, who's Spider-Man 2099. There's Araña, who's the Spider-Girl, also known as Anya Sofia Corazon. And then there's a minor character in the Spider-Verse comics called Aracno Jr., who's rumored to be in the upcoming movie. My origin story is actually started when I moved from Mexico to La Pita. And I came here at the age of three. Didn't know any English, and I learned that actually by watching cartoons. I would watch this show called Arthur, and in that show, there was a comic book universe with uh, animal hybrid heroes, villains, and awesome storylines. At the time, I did not know they were based on uh, another superhero, you know. Coming home from school, I remember watching the Justice League show, the animated Spider-Man, and this weird show about um, some superhero brothers who would use their B.O. or they would burp to save the day. When I started elementary school, there was also a contest for young writers. I wanted to be creative and make a universe of my own. So I created a character for the contest called El Porquito Valiente. It was a pig wearing a Zorro hat with a trench coat, and he would save prey from predatory animals and un rancho. But when I went into middle school, there was a Latinx teacher. When she found out that I was a big comic fan, she would encouraged me to read graphic novels. So that's when I learned more about what graphic novels were and how important they are in literature. Some of the books I read were Mouse, Persepolis, and so I would read and reread every origin story. Scruffy, you've been collecting toys and comics for a while. Um, how was it exposing that part of your identity to Chelly when you first started dating? So she is under the the idea that I didn't show her that. But I'm pretty sure I was very overtly, you know, transparent when it came to me liking comics and toys and stuff. That was that was always me. Like I I guess when it when it came to talking nerd, she was like, oh, you're one of those. It wasn't until I saw your room when it really hit. Oh so yeah when she saw my room. When so. I saw the comics, I saw the posters. But to be fair, the I had I had a Spider-Man like emblem hanging from my car and like Spider-Man keychains and stuff like that. But that was just one little thing, you know, no one's gonna think that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's more than, than that. But then she started realizing that I go on Instagram and I like take like action shots of my action figures that's giving me excuses to play with my toys basically. Can you tell our, our listeners how to follow you? On uh, Instagram, uh, Disha's Nets. Disha's Nets is my name on Instagram. And we'll put it on the description for everyone. But I was going to say, Chelly, you make it seem like he was hiding a dead body or something. When <laughs> went into his room. I was hiding like 500 six-inch figures in my closet, apparently. Well, to be honest, when I met him, you know, he was showing his Spanish roots. You know, the Spanish music was on in the car. We went dancing and we danced to Spanish music. So I had an image of what he showed me that day and I was like oh, okay but 
I never dated a guy that was into comics and toys, so. But see, the thing is, of we've, course, it was a surprise to me. We've known each other since like fifth grade, right? And as a child, I was nerdy, dorky. I was the one that was always answering questions, raising my hand. That was me. Like that was around the same time that I first started like reading comics and you know playing with toys. Like I want to let our listeners know that comics it's beyond superheroes there is so such a big world when it comes to comics and the graphic novel world i have barely scratched the surface and we talked about what is your favorite comic though or graphic novel honestly for me i always liked the anthology series of comics so like um like a lot of the horror ones like the first few comics that came out in the beginning and it, it went from like you know tales from the crypt to like creep show to different different comics like that like where it wasn't necessarily a chronological order it was just something that you could skip issues and pick them up and then not miss a beat like that was that was kind of like the ones that i like as of now honestly it's been like between like detective comics and like spider-man anything spider-man honestly and why do you think that comics are so vastly misunderstood, um, not often looked at great literary works. Um, well, that has to probably, for, for me, comics always had that connotation of just like not being like full-fledged literary work. They always think of it as easy stuff that you read and toss it away and not, you know, really think about it. But to, to constantly have a new issue every week where you're, you're basically watching a TV show but you're reading it. And I feel like a lot of people recent, well, recently now are kind of getting a better understanding that, you know, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge and there's like a huge mythos with a lot of comics. And a lot of it is set up in a way where you could make it a TV show or you can make it a movie. Um, were you ever encouraged by anyone to read comics? Yeah, um, it was actually, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, one of my teachers, um, was one of the first pe uh, people to actually let me like read one of their own personal collections and like just kind of started me like uh, becoming a read more. Like that was, that was the reason why I began to be more invested in books and literature and stuff because of comics. There was, if I'm not mistaken, a book called Mouse. I don't know if you ever heard of that book, but that, that was actually a graphic novel and it's, uh, had parallels with like the Holocaust, Nazis and all that stuff. And that was a way to kind of, you know, transition into like history and kind of learn, learn some stuff. So that was like one of those books that we actually used in school to kind of, you know, get, get better understandings of history. Yeah, uh, I was introduced by that by my partner. Uh, and it, it's such a great graphic novel. It was, it was very haunting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very haunting graphic novel that deals with uh, substance abuse, with um, suicide, with trauma. What do you think is the biggest appeal uh, of the comic book world and graphic novel world to, to its readers? Why is it such a popular thing? Um, it's popular because you've grown to love the characters. You, you follow them through every single different iteration of the same character. They could reestablish the, the beginning or origin stories, update it, you know, to the masses. Like every few years, they always do a revamp. There's always some sort of cataclysmic event that happens that resets like the comic book industry. Like DC, they did like New 52. Marvel did a concept called uh, Battle World where all the universes kind of imploded on themselves and different characters from like the ultimate universe ended up coming into the mainstream universe and 
just all those situations kind of appeal to to the masses having that relationship with like the comics and the tv shows like kind of intersecting that's what kind of broadens the horizon for everyone to kind of you know jump in and see what it's about Back in the 1930s, there was always the typical white characters. And the non-white characters were always either the bad guys or the sidekicks. And the First World War had just ended and there was turmoil with the Second World War. It was mainly patriotic and to make sure that everybody knew who the bad guy was. Um, in the 80s, actually, that's when a lot of new artists and writers were including more non-white characters. For some people, they were misrepresented because it was how Irish-American or Jewish-American writers would see. So it was usually either stereotypical or just like not the correct way of representing that community. So there's uh, characters like Luke Cage, there was uh, the first Hispanic character, White Tiger, who was created by George Bettis. There's this character called The Lynx, who was a cowgirl who aided um, characters who would travel to the desert or the Mexican-American border. There was uh, an attempt by Marvel to be more inclusive, but the catch was they would take pre-existing superhero powers and make a whole new character. This new character, Riri Williams, her superhero name is Ironheart. Her origin is that she's a teenage black girl from Chicago who misbehaved, but turns out that she misbehaves because she's bored. So she gets sent to uh, MIT, I believe, and she becomes the new Iron Man. I think it was lazy writing because I guess they were just getting with modern times because there's the uh, Miles Morales who is literally this generation Spider-Man. He's being recycled for this generation. There's also Robbie Reyes who's uh, the new ghostwriter who happens to be Mexican-American. There's also the new Green Lantern super duo of uh, Simon Baz and Jojo. She's just a, a, another Green Lantern from a sector. I feel they were just trying to make so that everybody is included. What has been your experience when it comes to representation in comics? Do you feel like it has always been an accurate re representation of people of color, uh, people with disabilities, LGBTQIA? Um. Recently, it's been a little bit more, you know, transparent and trying to have diversity inclusiveness, right? But before, like, growing up, there wasn't that exact representation for, for like, minorities, right? A, a lot of times, a lot of the characters were typecasted. Um, it, it wasn't that ideal representation that we had. It was always like, okay, if the person's a minority and they're a superhero or something like that, they come from a broken home, they're impoverished they have some sort of socioeconomic issue there's a lot of misconceptions and i i think it, it just took till recently to actually for for comic book uh companies to kind of get that idea and that understanding of you know let's not reinvent the wheel by just changing the gender or the nationality of the character just to make it you know inclusive like you have to have a lot more in-depth like knowledge on changing how the character is themselves and not just creating like a swappable palette. It's like, all right, let's make Superman a, a woman. 
let's make Green Arrow, but as an alien or something like that. Like there has to be a little bit more substance to those changes in the characters that, that has a better representation. Yeah, a lot of people have called it lazy writing, just kind of making it, like you said, more inclusive and making it politically correct and uh, really avoiding the conversation of being authentic to the character. Um, and like you said, including specific aspects of that person's culture and what makes up the character, because I think that's what really uh, makes Miles Morales uh, different from the other changes, right, uh, in characters. But before we talk about that, I wanted to know from Chelly if she has ever felt represented. Do you feel seen in comics? Honestly, I don't think I've searched or looked at comic books enough to see who I can relate with or sat there and try to, you know, really think about who may catch my attention in books or that spark like wanting to read comics no it's it's never been there unfortunately no i mean i should sit down and try to figure out i mean there's so much to look at but i don't he uh scruffy himself tells me all the time that i should but it's just i guess it's just not there for me <laughs> you're not alone i i was talking to edgar from Mexico comics and i was like i don't feel like there's you know, a chubby superhero or like, you know what I mean? Like, or like somebody short, <laughs> short and like chubby. Right. And he was like, yeah, there is. And he told me about BB Sweetie, I think, by um, Jenny Rivera. I might be remembering like it wrong. Singer? You talking about? No, no, no. Like an actual, she's an actual author. Like she's <laughs> an actual illustrator. And it was Jenny Rivera. And I was like, wait, what? I thought the same thing. And yeah, obviously there's a lot of indie comics where you could do a quick Google search and there will be a story that relates to you. I think there is significant number of Latino writers and people of color that are illustrators now. How about you, uh, Scruffy? Do you feel seen in the movies right now or in the TV shows that are being portrayed? Uh, I feel like, yes, it's starting to get a little bit better. We're, we're getting that representation from a male aspect, but I don't see it as much for, for females. Um, there's, there's little, or little like sprinklings of like the main like comic book industry, like Miss Marvel and Kamala. They, they haven't really set their story or just a, a good realization of what that character is or who that character is. I know that there was, what was it, two days ago, Wonder Girl? The Wonder Girl, that's the character, yeah. It's coming out on the CW and a lot of people are shitting on the CW. They're like, they're not good at, do at doing uh, superhero shows. Like you said, The Flash and um, Arrow and Supergirl. I, I don't know. I never got into them. Oh, no, I was going to say, the CW had some good shows. Like, I don't know if you remember Smallville, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. Smallville was so good. And um, for the, you know, I mean, maybe... <laughs> We're, we're dating ourselves over here. But um, some people might know of Smallville because of actress Allison Mack. She was in a, she was in a sex cult. That is why some people might know of, of Smallville now. Or anyway, even Buffy. Did you know Buffy was a comic? I did. Not when I was watching the show in the 90s until later. I didn't know Sabrina, uh, the Teenage Witch, was a comic yep. um, until they did the new series on Netflix. I don't really like the show, but I didn't know that it was also part of the whole universe with, uh, what is it, Archie? Archie? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, and that's so another thing, like, like with CW and stuff, they've been kind of decent with, like, getting the licenses through, like, Warner Brother and stuff like that. Warner Brother, DC, and, like, other 
different comic book companies would pitch pilots and they would use existing like source material for those pilots. When I was talking about Archie, the, how they call it Riverdale now, right? Because that was the, the area that a lot of the Archie characters were from. My version of Archie that I remembered is reading it from like the gum wrappers or uh, watching uh, Archie's Weird Mysteries also came from, you know, uh, an anthology series where it's the same thing. Like you would pick it up and it'd be a new story. You could pick up any issue, whatever order it was, and just have a new just story about it. Let's take a break. In the 90s, actually, there was a, a big dilemma where the best artists were leaving the two big comic book companies of uh, DC and Marvel, and they made a new company with their own rules. Without artists, these companies had to bring in new uh, new artists from different backgrounds. I remember a comic book called New Mutants, where they introduced new X-Men characters. My favorite mutants is Julio Richter, and he's actually a mutant who has the power to to create earthquakes and he's in a relationship with another fellow mutant. They created a specific series where they're openly in a relationship. Let me give you another example, like one of the strongest sorcerers in the DC universe, John Constantine. He was rewritten as having a relationship with a supervillain and everybody just loved it because like it was just, they just threw it out there and people were okay with it. Currently in a storyline just finished called Empire, where the main character, Hulkling, is of the LGBTQ community. He, his uh, partner, Wiccan, was actually featured in that story as well. They were both openly gay, and their recent characters, they were created like 10, 15 years ago. Hi, Brett here with Indie Comics Dispatch, and one of the reasons I love Indie Comics is because of the diversity of characters and stories you can find within the Indie Comic community. The beautiful thing about Indie Comics is that literally anybody can make a comic, and so there are so many different comics out there right now that represent just the diversity that you find in the world. Some of my current favorites are uh, Sovereign Comics. Uh, they have a great lineup of comics featuring very diverse characters, male, female, different ethnicities, a very, very colorful cast. Another creator I really like is Omar Morales. He has a few books out and another one coming out um, in the Manana um, anthology about a new character he's developing. Um, he is of Latinx descent, and so very, very cool stories he's putting out. And Cowhouse Press is another one that's just putting out amazing work for the LGBTQ plus community. Seriously though, no matter what your interests are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, no matter what your ethnicity is, there's an indie comic for you out there. I can almost guarantee it. The diversity that you find through Kickstarter just by searching um, whatever you're looking for, black comics, Latinx comics, LGBTQ plus comics, or searching those same things on Instagram will pull up loads and loads of comics that you will just love the diversity of stories and characters in. But if you're looking for an easy resource of where to find comics like that, you can also check out IndieComicsDispatch.com. That's comics with an X at the end, IndieComicsDispatch.com. We try to always feature a diverse lineup of indie comics that fit into just about every niche and genre.
To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Orale, this is Javier Solorzano, the creator, writer, and artist behind Super Lucha Cats, a new comic book about a family of Lucha Libre cats who fight monsters. We're on Instagram at LuchaCat, and you can find the first issue at LuchaCat.com. Gracias. The other community is the handicapped community. There is obvious representation of Professor X and his wheelchairs where he could uh, freely move around using a wheelchair. And there's also Daredevil, who is a man who becomes blinded by some acid. His other senses become stronger, but he loses his vision. You may remember the scene in, I think, Civil War, where a war machine, mm -hmm. he becomes paralyzed. That's an another example of representation and we're back all right Scruffy we were talking about representation in comics and where you have felt seen and so I want to hear your take on representation can you give me some examples where you feel that communities are being represented uh the the best representation in comics I would say would have to be x-men uh, more so because uh, mutants kind of get treated a lot differently than superheroes, right? So, like, the difference between a lot of the mutants is that they were born with the, the X gene, right? That, that creates a specific mutation, right? Those kind of have parallels because some of those mu mutations are physical mutations. Some of them are you're able to control it and you're able to, like, blend in with the population, and like live a normal life without being seen. And I feel like that's a, a, a good, you know, parallel to like, like racism in a way, if, if that kind of makes sense. So like, you know, I could walk around and I could be in, for instance, like white America or something like that. And I will be labeled as, you know, like a minority or something like that. They'll second guess who I am. They'll see me from like my skin tone, my hair, you know, a lot of people have like little like reservations to, you know, try and interact with me, right? Those are those overtly obvious characteristics from just my melanin, right? Because of my skin. And that's, that's kind of the same thing with, with X-Men. They, they feel like, you know, you're born with that X gene, you have a problem, you have a, a abnormality that doesn't make you human, it's kind of subhuman. But then you have other characters, other superheroes, like, uh, like Miss, Miss Marvel, right? or Spider-Man, technically, um, they got their powers from an outside source. So they, they're kind of treated as a different class of superheroes. Does that yeah. kind of make sense? Yeah, I never thought about that. But I think, I mean, my exposure to X-Men, it was more with the cartoon mm -hmm. um, in the 90s. I love that cartoon. But they were portrayed like freaks, like weirdos, like outcasts, right? Yeah. X-Men are very much outcasts. And so we have this level of representation in, in X-Men. I don't see it, for example, in the, in the recent Marvel movies kind of ended their, their last chapter, right? And we know that they are starting the new generation. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What do you think is in the works for that? So the new My Marvel, right? So essentially what they did was uh, the person that was ahead of like the cinematic universe um, now transitions 
into actually having sole control over, you know, the different properties. So it's not only limited to the movies, but also to the comics, uh, to the TV shows, like any, any sort of media that's representative in this. And they've been slowly but surely, surely like, you know, establishing new characters, having other characters take up different mantles. I know with the movies, they kind of set it up for the Falcon to be the new Captain America, right? They've done that before in the comics beforehand, where he was presumably killed and the Falcon ended up taking up the mantle to, you know, uh, honor his friend. And Bucky also did the same thing, who was the Winter Soldier. So there's different iterations of Captain America, but they all had their like strong points and like low, low points. For now, they're doing like the new Avengers. Uh, they changed out uh, like the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk was at first uh, Bruce Banner, right? Now it's, there's, there's different iterations of the Hulk. There's uh, his cousin, where she's, she's a She-Hulk. She's a lawyer. Uh, she ended up getting the same uh, power through a blood transfusion because they were cousins. She has a little bit more control over her power. And she's like, uh, she's a lawyer. So she would Hulk out and then she'd be in the court and she would represent other like Marvel characters. Whenever something would happen, like they'd go to like civil court because Spider-Man accidentally messed somebody's house up while he was trying to fight off the Green Goblin or something like that. I didn't I know that one. I didn't know there's, that. There's just different things like that. Yeah. And like when it comes to representation, uh, Matt Murdock, uh, he's Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. He is the man with no fear. He is literally, his alter ego is a person that is blind, right? And his superpower is that he has acute hearing where it's almost like echolocation where he senses subtle changes in the air. Like his senses are highly elevated even though he can't see. Like it, that's, that's crazy, right? You have two like dichotomies where, you know, he's weak on one end, but then like extremely powerful on the other side. Yeah. And I was uh, trying to think of a superhero that was hard of hearing or deaf. Can you think of anyone? Hard of hearing or deaf? Wow. Um, I've been trying. I did, I did a, a Google search and I couldn't find anything. I can't say right off the top of my head. Um, um, I, I did another Google search. Um, apparently, actress Lauren Ridloff. She was born deaf. She has the role of Makari in the upcoming film, The Eternals, technically be the first representation on screen of a superhero that's hard of hearing or deaf. Yeah, and the, see, the thing about Eternals, like the, the movie is supposed to be like, like way, way, way back into the past, right? Connections with like Thanos and stuff like that. He was, I think, an, an Eternal, but he had that, uh, the deviant gene, right? Where it kind of, made you look monstrous like the the weird little jawline that he had right the deviant gene was like the recessive gene and those were reflected in physical physical like deformities and he was singled out because of that specific gene so like he was like one of the few like purple uh people in his on the planet that he lived on when you which was titan and he was treated differently because he looked differently like everybody was like angelic and uh, like beautiful like whatever that concept of beauty was he wasn't it and that kind of led him to you know being isolated and you know working on like scientific projects and creating illusions and thinking about death as his friend mm-hmm. that's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think definitely Marvel and DC have been moving towards the 
direction of being more inclusive and representing more communities um, of color uh, better than than a few a few years past. However, I want to know if you could create any character, what do you think needs to be represented, or what would you like to see on screen that hasn't been seen before? You know, I I the the closest thing that I've seen so far to like kind of the real world was the the boys comic or the boys tv show right um that whole concept was like superheroes that are assholes superheroes that have problems issues like what would be more scarier than a person that is a super powered being that is suffering from addiction i was just talking about that with my partner yesterday you remember hancock with will smith yeah. Yeah, and, and I mentioned it because I just saw the reunion for the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's really <laughs> good. It's on HBO Max. But I was, he was like, ah, oh, you know, that movie sucked. But I was like, well, it was. I think it was the first superhero on screen that's like a, an alcoholic. Like he has a substance abuse problem, and he's flawed, and he just doesn't give a shit. And so with the new show, uh, Boys, you said. Yeah, the boys. Which, it's on um, on Amazon Prime, I think, right? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but tell me a little bit about it. So um, they've, they've made kind of subtle changes uh, from the, the comic and the TV show, but it is the complete flip of the Justice League, right? So like different characters in the Justice League. So um, was it A-Train, right? A-Train, he's supposed to be uh, the DC's equivalent to the Flash. Homelander, Homelander's supposed to be DC's equivalent to Superman, uh, Black Noir is supposed to be um, DC's equivalent to Batman. Like all these characters that have problems and they're like, they, they still have to keep up that facade of being like uh, their public images where they're like, you know, good people, but like in the background, they're really shitty people. I mean, it's, it's a good show. It's a lot of dark humor. There's some messed up, like triggered situations that happen like in the TV show that are really, really bad. Like there's... It's some really dark like subjects, but it's just like something to kind of think about these people that have these powers have really bad like problems. The way you describe it, I haven't seen it and I'm not familiar with the comics, but it makes me think of Watchmen. And the only reason I know what I'm, I, I know it is because I watched the show on HBO and mm -hmm. it got me really interested in the comics. So I read those and they're really long. And the comics they're, are a lot darker than what it came out in the TV show or but, in the movie. But they're also very comp complicated. I got so lost with the, the times, the time frames and the time lapses and the concept of time <laughs> basically, right? Like everything's happening simultaneously. Um, yep. And so, but that's, that's one of, um, that was a great show. I think that is a great example of a show that's inclusive, that is quality. Regina King killed it and it got canceled. Well, I think the, the, the makers of the show didn't, they felt like it was, it was done. That's really sad, but. But I mean, there, there are other stories that are yeah. like, for like established characters that would definitely be a good representation of like a real person or real like you know, life issues. My favorite author and slash artist, Felipe Smith, he actually is um, Argentinian raised. I think he's either black or African-American. He created Ghost Rider 
and I'm sure you're familiar with him. His alter ego is Robbie Reyes, who's a Mexican American from East LA, and he drives a Hell Charger, a recent superhero group that was formed by several minorities. The group is called Champions, and it was formed in 2016. Stars several of the major superheroes of color, like Miles Morales. There's uh, Riri Williams. There's uh, Miss Marvel. Many of the minor characters like uh, Amka Aliyah, also known as Nogard, who's a, an indigenous Inuit girl from Canada who can shapeshift into animals. There's also an Indian teleporter by the name of Pinpoint, and he could open portals and travel to them easily. And then there's uh, also a new series called Strange Academy that was released pre-pandemic. There are several new characters. One of the main characters is actually from New Orleans. She's going to de- uh, dive deeper into her culture of uh, voodoo and type of magic goes with her culture. There's uh, an upcoming uh, DC Universe event which will star many new characters that we've never seen in comics. And there was news that broke out that there's going to be a new uh, live action series of Wonder Girl, who's technically the younger sister of Wonder Woman, but they're not related. And this new uh, character, her name is Kiara Flor, who's a Brazilian girl from the Amazons. But the story itself is going to be released in December and in all of 2021. So I'm really hoping that her origin story and storyline is not flopped. My thing is, I... I want more representation for like us, but it doesn't have to be as negative, right? Why does it have to be, my thing is it shouldn't have to be something bad, right? Like uh, my parents didn't want me or my parents were drug addicts. Like like why every story or why whenever that representation, like representation happens, we either gotta be like a gang member, a drug addict, ex-con, my mother didn't love me, my father didn't love me. Not all people grew up that way. And I guess that goes back to who who is writing those stories, right? And who has the power to, to, to publish them and then put them on the big screen. It's a great segue to talking about the Marvel 616 that's coming out in Disney+. Plus. So they're, they're trying to make everything cohesive, right? So the comics are going to reflect the TV show, are going to reflect the, the movies. Everything is going to have its own like parallel storylines or timelines that's merging all the universes like that's the one thing about comics right if you're not really in the comics it could sound very convoluted because they're like i said before there's different iterations of the same character but that's because it's a separate universe i know you're a big spider-man fan why do you love spider-man so much i love him because he's a normal person he's a normal person like at the end of the day he has to get his bills paid uh he has trouble with women he has a lot of power, but he, he's humble to the fact, uh, well, he humbled himself out of tragedy, right? He's always tried to be the best person that he can be. And the thing about Spider-Man is that he, he's a testament of self-control, right? There's a story where Spider-Man ends up like losing his body and a bad guy ends up taking over his body, right? The first time uh, the bad guy, which was Oct- Dr. Otto Octavius, which is Octopus, right? Uh, Dr. Oct. Or he punches a bad guy and the guy like blows up into like a mist of blood. And he's like, oh crap, like 
I didn't know that Spider-Man was this strong. So like when Spider-Man would hit people, he's pulling his punches so he doesn't kill them. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like just different things like that. Like So he's and, trying to be extra nice with the punching. Yeah, like extra nice. <laughs> and like the, the the biggest thing for me was like he had girl problems, right? But he had a whole bunch of girlfriends, but he had girl problems. Like and it was like, because he couldn't commit. He couldn't commit to them because he was a superhero. Or he couldn't let them in because that'd be a liability. And then he doesn't want the people he loved to be killed or hurt. You've always been like a big fan of Spider-Man. How old is Miles Morales? How, how old is that comic? Um, I want to say 2010, 2012. So you, you know, essentially you didn't grow up with Miles Morales. I mean, I, I was an adult already around that so time. So you didn't but, grow up with Miles Morales. But I was there when he came out. Just put it that way. When he came, when he first came out. So it wasn't like a new concept for me mm-hmm. because I seen it from like the beginning, like the first few comics, right? So Miles comes from the ultimate universe. The ultimate universe isn't the, the original like 616 universe, right? So they started modernizing all these superheroes, right? Uh, they modernized Peter Parker. They modernized Thor. They modernized everybody. Mm-hmm. That was around the same time that uh, they changed the likeness of Nick Fury into Samuel Jackson, right? So the the person, the the artist that made the new version of Nick Fury based it on Samuel da- Jackson, mm-hmm. and that was before the movies even came out. And people were getting pissed off because they're like, "My Nick Fury, my Nick Fury wasn't black. My Nick Fury's not black." Like, how do you get pissed off at them changing a character's color or gender or something like that? I get it if there wasn't a good representation of it or if it was like pandering, but that was a good, you know, interpretation of changing the character's color. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he changed for the better. And so, you know, kids that are Afro Latinos that are growing up now with Miles Morales, how does that change the game? So, okay. So the same thing with that, right? Everybody was getting pissed off because they're like, Oh no, my, my Spider-Man's not, you know, black and Latino. That's not my Spider-Man. That's somebody else's Spider-Man. That was the big problem. And that was like super toxic. Like that's, that's the one thing I would say certain parts of the comic book industry are very, very toxic when it comes to characters or changing just concepts. They're like, no, you can't change it because that doesn't make sense. And he's his own character in his own right, which was awesome. The representation of him was perfect because it came at a good time. A biracial kid, both of his parents are upstanding citizens, right? His mom's a nurse. His dad was a cop. He got accepted into a prestigious school, like a magnet school and stuff like that. He had a good upbringing. He had, he, he had a chance to kind of go the negative route or to try and better himself. And that's why I like, you know, Spider-Man or just the whole Spider-Man mythos, because at the end of the day, the character always had a choice to kind of decide whether or not to be a good person or a bad person. I am nerdy because I love going to this imaginary world in comic books where someone with superpowers can make change in that world and wishing that I I would be part of that world myself. I hope to become a comic book writer one day because I feel people of color should tell their own stories. Kelly, I was going to ask you, what's the difference between dating a guy who's not into toy collecting and comics and superheroes versus one that is? Sometimes I'm lost. 
you know, he can tell me about this and that, and he thinks I know what he's talking about, and he keeps going and going, and I just have to sit there and listen because I don't want to interrupt him because he's so into it, and half the time I don't know what the heck is going on, um, <laughs> and I feel bad, you know, and I maybe I should learn and should pay attention and want to understand and dive through what it is he's been talking about. But sometimes my mind span is just like, forget it. Like, it's just too much. <laughs> because it's not just one thing that I could learn. It, it's, it's a whole world of different things. So I just kind of gave up. <laughs> I'll listen when it's easy to understand. <laughs> I think it's because, like, okay, Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man's, like, whole, like, rogues gallery or just, like, anything that Spider-Man, I'll bring in. She's like, the same. you brought the same figure. I'm like, no, it's different. And she's like, no, it's the same. I'm like, it's totally different. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> one little thing that makes it different. But she's like, how many Spider-Man you got? I'm like, it's a different Spider-Man. It's not the same Spider-Man. It's it's Ben Riley. It's not Peter Parker or it's Kane or it's Flash Thompson or it's, you know, Eddie Brock or just different characters. The same shit, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so let's be fair though. I've been to your house. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, you have a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, outfits. but but Chelly, you are a big fan of Marilyn Monroe. And so your room is, you know, plastered with Marilyn Monroe stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I literally She got you there. I literally don't have a want or a need to go by or look at stuff in stores and see if another toy collector found what I was looking for and come back super sad and on Amazon and oh my god, it's sold out. Like it, it stopped. Like there's no stop to this. Well, okay. All right. All right. There is. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. It's different. It's what it is. It's the thrill of the hunt, right? Like the, the biggest thing, the, the camaraderie, like there's a whole, like, just like there's a whole comic book community, there's a whole toy collecting community. There's, there's literally like people that are into, you know, action figures, right? Uh, inbox collectors, right? I'm not like that. I, I like to open them shits. I open the boxes. I pose them. I put them in on shelves. I take pictures. <laughs> dust them. I dust them. Um, and Shelly, the reason I bring up Marilyn Monroe and because I'm sure, I wonder if our listeners can recommend a comic for you that you might like. Possibly. I mean, <laughs> here and there. Oh, you know what? I've actually, I've given her, I've given her a Marilyn Monroe comic. And it just sat there. <laughs> I like to see her. She's beautiful. You know, she'll be up in my room. I know her story. That's good enough for me. But you know, it's funny because I would literally, when I go to comic book conventions, just so I don't feel bad from like, you know, spending money on myself, mm -hmm. I make an effort to find like artwork or anything that's like Marilyn Monroe for her. Oh, so that's why she has every, all of that stuff. <laughs> It's not her seeking it out. You're just like, here you go. Yeah, but she's very particular though. Like, she's like, no, it doesn't look like her. I'm like, I know it's a cartoon version of her. It's a chibi version. No, no, it doesn't look like her. It's not supposed to look like her. It's just her as a cartoon. She's like, spend money on this. You shouldn't have to spend money on it because I don't like it. And I'm like, oh, it's the <laughs> thought that counts. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's just me though. I'm, if you thought about me, you took the effort to buy me something. I'm going to love it regardless because you didn't have to do that. And the fact that you did it is a grand gesture to me. So I, I, I try to appreciate what, what she gets me. 
I mean, well, Shelly, it must be easy to buy him gifts, though. Is it Spider-Man theme, no? Right, but I already got that. Oh, um, yeah. No, Thank no, you, no, no, no. I already got it. No, no, no. I <laughs> it's am hard to find him stuff he doesn't have. Calling already. her bluff. She is totally lying about that. Like, I'm like, yo, I want this figure. She's like, I'm not buying you a toy. Oh, because they're a hundred dollars. <laughs> no, not always. 80. Not always. <laughs> Is there any particular toy that you're on the hunt for right now? Oh yeah, definitely. Of course, it is a Spider-Man theme toy. So um, my bane of existence are Marvel Legend action figures. They'll have a set of action figures. Each set would have one portion of a greater figure. It's called a Build-A-Figure, right? And in order for you to get that specific figure you need like six pieces to make it into like a cohesive cohesive piece and they'll have like a shitty character that nobody even cares about but it would be like the main torso that you need to get and you're like i gotta get it so i could complete it i've i've gotten better over the time like before i used to be a completionist but now i as much as she probably doesn't believe me but I've limited the capacity of what I buy or what I purchase. What is the ultimate goal, Scruffy, with, and I know it's the hunt and like, I mean, at what point are you like, okay, I'm good. What is the drive for you in collecting and hunting for new toys? My drive, honestly, it's to like recreate pivotal moments (laughs) from comic books or like TV shows or something like that, right? Like, I can't make a specific scene without these few characters or something like that. I have this poster, these two posters in my man cave that have like Marvel villains on one side and then Marvel superheroes on the other side. I'm literally trying to make a comic, uh, uh, action figure version of those posters. But there's an also, there's an investment in figures, right? Some figures are kind of limited line, resale value. Like I, <laughs> it's, this probably doesn't make sense, but the value in those figures are there. There's people, there's collectors, there's certain figures that I have that are very, you know, expensive. I mean, not necessarily that I spend that much for that figure, but the, the resale value are in those figures are, are good investments, unless they come out with like an updated version of it or some shit. But I was thinking like, that was one thing about my collection. If I need to let it go, I could let it go depending on like dire situations or whatever, or I was thinking of it as kind of passing it down to my kids or at least using that to pay for their college. And that was going to be my follow-up question. If you had to leave the home out of like an emergency, let's say there's like a fire or something, tornado, what is the one toy you take with you or action figure that you take with you? Oh man, probably the action figure that, uh, that Shelly bought me. Which one? (laughs) She bought me this big ass spider-man figure from like the first movie right i think has like 95 points of articulation right meaning like you could bend each individual finger the wrist the elbow the neck all that shit ab crunch and it's about like bigger than 12 inches i'd probably grab that and not necessarily because of the value of it but that was something that she bought me like that came from her like heart like she's like you know who would really like that? Or you know who'd really appreciate that? Aw. Scruffy would. You guys are so cute. <laughs> just buy me something. Like, just buy me an action figure. She's like, I don't know what to buy you. I'm like, go in my room. I'm like, I got two guys that I always buy figures from. 
take a picture of the shit in my room or they should know what I don't have and tell them like, hey, I need to get Scruffy something. They'll be like, say less. Here you go. <laughs> That's too much work. That's too much detective work. Exactly. So if he needs it, he doesn't buy it. Like socks, clothes, you know, regular that- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Necessities. My priorities are all fucked up. Hey, I'll go to a store. I'm like, there's a $20 figure. Okay, it's not bad. That's pretty cheap. And then I'm like, this shirt's $14. Fuck that. I'm not paying for that. That's highway <laughs> robbery. Hello, everybody. If you want to read the best comic books out there by Latinx and black creators, go check out Concrete Comics. We got aliens, superheroes, Egyptian gods, demons, cyborgs, and more. If you can think it, we've got it. Check us out at www.concretecomics.com. That is K-O-N-K-R-E-T comics.com. And you can also follow us on social media at Concrete Comics in all platforms. Make sure you stop by and get yourself a copy of the best comics in the universe. Have a great day and remember always to keep it concrete. And so we've come to a close of our episode. Uh, Thank you for joining us and in talking about comics and representation and what's to come in the comic world. I, I end every episode with asking every guest what makes them nerdy. And so, Scruffy, what makes you nerdy? I feel like uh, Chelly could answer that question. <laughs> Go ahead, Chelly. You can answer that for him. I don't know. He's interesting. He has a lot of different personalities, a lot of different parts to him. He's not just nerdy. He's humble, caring, independent. It's a lot. Brave. There's a lot of parts to him, honestly. But his comics, his toys, the way he gets into telling me the stories of each superhero, <laughs> seriously, even if I don't want to hear it, he'll tell me. <laughs> that is one thing, yeah. I feel like any chance I could talk about comics to her is like a, a learning moment or a teachable moment. Like the biggest thing for like me that makes me a nerd, honestly, is me replicating that feeling that I had as a kid when I would grab a new issue, like a new comic, like the, like the new week's comic or um, watch the new episode while I'm comparing my toy and trying to move my toy the same way as a character on TV or something like that reliving that nostalgia moment but also like a point in time where if anything was going around in my life I could always fall back on comics and toys because those were always you know the the stable facets of my life well thank you guys so much for joining um is there anything else that you guys would like to mention I mean the biggest thing is you know thanks for considering us for for your podcast like like this was awesome just me being able to nerd out and just talk about stuff that I usually talk about every day or at least anyone that would hear me talk about what like what I'm so passionate about like I I truly genuinely appreciate the the opportunity to be able to talk about something like that that I hold near and dear to my heart and especially having you know my significant other on the call with me like (laughs) this is the first time that she actually stood and sat through like (laughs) <laughs> the longest conversation of her talking about like comics or toys <laughs> or anything where she actually sat down didn't get up and say like I'm over this <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Chelly for for uh powering through that was fun thank you guys for joining um and hope to have you guys again thank you
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Please share us, review us, and send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also like to thank our guests and Madera Once for allowing us to use their beautiful music for this episode. Please join us in the next episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Great Scots! It's been almost an hour. What the devil are they doing?